Today is Sunday, September 19th, 2010. Well, I don't guess any of you are necessarily surprised by that fact, but it just seems that I got used to writing 2010 on my checks yesterday. And in just three and a half months, I'm going to have to start writing an 11 instead of a 10. But life seems to tick by that way, doesn't it? I mean, really, it, it seems that we were in the planning stages for this building only yesterday. And to be quite honest, it doesn't seem too long ago that we were getting things ready for the first meeting in the high school over six years ago. Quite honestly, it seems like only yesterday that the world was in a panic over Y2K. As everyone partied like it was 1999. Fortunately, we survived. But time marches on relentlessly. You you could take your watch off and flush it down the toilet, and it wouldn't stop the march of time. You can pull every clock down in your house and take the batteries out or unplug it, and the seconds keep ticking away. You just can't see them. You could go to the extreme measure of getting a sledgehammer and breaking and busting those clocks up, and guess what? Time continues to march on relentlessly. There are 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in each hour, 60 seconds in each minute, 86,400 seconds in a day, and you've used almost 40,000 of them already. Some of those seconds you use for sleeping, some of those you used for eating. Some of those you used for bathing or cleaning yourself. Some of those you used for uh, dressing. Some of those you used for driving or riding here. Some of those you've used for singing. Some of those you've used in ways that are, are, were very wise. And you've enjoyed using those seconds. Some of you have used some of those seconds in ways that weren't so wise. And you've simply endured those seconds. But regardless of how you spent them, they are gone. Never to be reclaimed, never to be relived. The seconds continue to tick away, one after another, after another, after another, reminding us of a simple truth that life's too short to waste the day. Life is too short to waste the day. Most of us are familiar with the phrase, the Latin phrase, carpe diem. Seize the day. It's talking about grabbing life by the horns. But there is another Latin phrase that you should familiarize yourself with. And it is this, memento more. It means remember You are mortal. Remember, you are mortal. One of those phrases reminds us of the brevity of life. The other phrase reminds us of life's possibilities. 
We have already encountered over the last two weeks the scriptural truths that life is like a mist, life is like a vapor, vapor, life is like a flower that blooms for a season and then is gone. We don't need Ecclesiastes 3.2 to let us know that there is a time to be born and a time to die. We know that. We may ignore it, but we know it. As the seconds keep ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking, reminding us of how brief life is. Now this is all true, but folks, life is about more than simply living and dying. Life is about more than simply existing today so you can exist tomorrow, so you can exist the day after that. Life is given to us so that we might live and truly live making the most of every single day, every single hour, every single moment. This is what God would say to us this morning from His Word. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Be very careful how you live, making the most of every opportunity. Don't just let life pass you by. Don't just be like a a leaf carried along in a stream. Live. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't just live for the weekends. I know so many people who live throughout their week, enduring Monday through Friday at 5. And on Friday, you catch some singing in the car. Thank God it's Friday. They just endure their week. They wish their week away. Oh, I can't wait for Friday to get here. And as we do, the seconds tick by one After another, after another, after another. Be very wise how you use the time, how you live, how you go through life. Make the most of every opportunity, even those that happen on Mondays. You have one life. Don't waste it. Don't waste your life. Don't wish it away. and Don't waste this day. So what does it mean to make the most of every opportunity? I read a, I read a story sometime back about a, a young soldier and his commanding officer who were taking a trip by train. It was one of these passenger trains, and, and they went in and they got seated, and there were four seats. There were two facing each other, and that's how they were going to travel. And a little bit later... A pretty young lady and and her grandmother came in and sat right across from them. Well, it was pretty obvious from the very start that the young soldier and the and the pretty girl kind of hit it off, and they began a little chit chat, a little talking. And they, I mean, just they just talked and talked and talked. The grandmother was knitting and enduring it all. The commanding officer would look over and sneer every once in a while, but he didn't say anything. He just sat there in discomfort throughout the trip. Well, a couple of hours into the trip, the train went into this 
pitch dark tunnel. And when it, when it did, two sounds were heard. One was the smack of a kiss. The other was the whack of a slap. Now when the train came out on the other side of the tunnel, all four people were sitting, looking around at each other. And this is what they were thinking. Granny was thinking, how dare that young man kiss my granddaughter, and I'm sure glad she slapped him. The officer was thinking, I don't blame the young man for kissing the girl, but I sure wish she'd have slapped him instead of me. The young girl was thinking, that really was a nice kiss, but I wonder why my grandma slapped him. Only the young soldier knew the truth. He had seized the moment, made the most of that opportunity to both kiss the girl and slap his commanding officer. (laughs) I'm not sure that's exactly what Paul had in mind. How do we make the most of every opportunity? You and I could sit down and we might write a list. These are things that would make the most of this opportunity, this life I have, this day that I have. And on that list, you might put, turn off the TV. Spend enough time watching TV, going to turn the TV off. Going to get outside, going to do something, going to exercise. Make the most of this life. Make the most of this body. Make the most of this time. Maybe I want to spend some time playing with children. If you haven't played with children in a while, you need to play with children. Maybe you want to put that on your list. That's what I want to do. I just want to get out on the floor with kids and play with children, even if I do have to have somebody help me up. Maybe if I want to make the most of my days, I need to travel. I need to go someplace I've never been. It doesn't have to be overseas. It can be right here in the state of Georgia. Just go someplace I've, I've never been for a while. Maybe I'd like to dance in the rain, if it ever rains again. Get out and dance in the rain. i got to tell you, Jay and I had quite an adventure. A few years back, it rained. It rained very, very heavily. And we decided to uh, just go out in it. And we did. And we went over to the golf course. And it was pretty neat because there's an upper pond and a lower pond with the driveway coming in. And there was so much rain that the pond had literally come up over its banks. And it was flowing down and across the little road and over into the lower pond. and, And on the road were fish. And we spent time picking up the fish and tossing them into the water. It was a lot of fun. So maybe instead of dancing in the rain, you just want to go out and take a walk in it. Maybe maybe you say on my list, I want to put that from time to time, I want to tip 50%. They look like they have a need. And so I want to be generous from time to time. Maybe on that list is that I'm going to pick up a, I'm I'm going to pay attention to the trash right along the sidewalk. The stuff I typically walk by I'm going to stop and, and I'm going to pick that up and, and I'm going to throw it away and I'm going, to, I'm going to make a difference. Maybe it's something as simple as, you know what, I think I'm going to let somebody in line in front of me at the grocery store. Here I am, I've got my cart of groceries and there's a fellow or a lady behind me that's kind of got their arms full. I'm just going to let them ahead of me. I, I'm not in that big a hurry anyway. There are all kinds of things that we could put on a list like that of what we'd want to do to, to, to make our lives different, to make the most of the day. But, but specifically as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, what does it mean for us to make the most of every opportunity? Well, in Ephesians 5, we find some things that can truly help us, that can help us. 
If you'll look with me at verses 1 and 2, Ephesians chapter 5, this is what God's Word says to us. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What do we learn from this? If we want to make the most of every opportunity, first of all, live a life of love. Live a life of love. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Loving others, then, is the leading indicator as to whether you and I follow Jesus. Loving others is the leading indicator. It is the barometer. It is the thing that shows others that we do follow Jesus. Everything that we do and even all that we say is to be motivated by a heart filled to overflowing with love. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all you've got, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, listen, all the other law and the prophets are summed up in these two. This is the greatest. Love one another. Love God. Be devoted to God. Be devoted to one another. If we want to make the most of opportunity, we've got to live in that love. Secondly, if we want to make the most of every opportunity, comes out of verse 1 and 2 again, we need to live a life of sacrifice. The first one, we kind of like that, right? I mean, everybody loves love, but sacrifice? But that's exactly what we read in verses 1 and 2. If we're to be imitators of God, we're to do so by loving, but we're also to do so by living a life Offering ourselves as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Now, sacrifice grows out of real love anyway. If we love God with all of our being, then everything we have and all that we are are fully devoted to Him. Think about that. If we truly love God, have given ourselves to Him, then all that we are and all that we have fully belongs to God. It's fully devoted to Him. That means if God calls me to do something, I am to willingly sacrifice, not reluctantly sacrifice. God's Word tells us that God loves a cheerful giver, not those who give reluctantly or under compulsion, not those who only give because they're sent on a guilt trip or have their arms twisted. God loves someone who gives cheerfully. And see, this is where the love comes in. If we truly love God with all of our hearts, with all of our being, with all that we are and all that we have, then we will see ourselves as stewards, as caretakers in this life, not as owners, not as possessors. And we will surely not be possessed by our things and our wealth. To love God means to sacrifice. To make the most of every opportunity means... to sacrifice, but not simply for the sake of the kingdom of God. You see, if we love our neighbors ourselves, which we're called to do, then we will be willing to sacrifice for them. If we love our neighbors as ourselves, then we'll be willing to sacrifice for them. Because all that I have and all that I am, I've given to God, 
then when God calls upon me to meet the needs of others, whether they're spiritual, emotional, physical, or whatever, when God lays it on my heart, then I have the blessed obligation of sacrificing for the least of these. In fact, Jesus told a story. The story was intended to teach a very important point. It's found in Matthew chapter 25. It's the story of the parable of the sheep and the goats. And it it talks about as we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, and, and what that day is going to look like. And you can go and read it entirely in the entirety for yourselves, but I want to share with you a bit of the conversation that took place between Jesus and the sheep. Now, the sheep are those who belong to God, those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And this is part of that conversation. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, that's important. You need to understand something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God's been preparing for you since the creation of the world. God's planning on you. Anyway, for I was hungry, Jesus said, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. When we love God and when we love others, it leads to sacrifice. For the kingdom of God and sacrifice for the least of these. So if we're going to make the most of our every opportunity, we're to live a life of love, we're to live a life of sacrifice, and we're to live a life of purity. Live a life of purity. In verses 8 and 10, Ephesians 5, For you were once darkness, and now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You know, we can spend our lives pursuing things that aren't at all pleasing to the Lord. We can buy into the standards of the unchristian world, and we can live by their standards rather than the standards that God has for us, the things that please Him. But you and I were called from darkness into light. In fact, the word actually says that we were once not simply in darkness. We were once darkness. But now we are light in Christ. A radical transformation. And that transformation is important. We were called from that darkness into the light of Christ to live a life of purity. A life that matters. Our lives are to be different. If we're to make a difference in the world, then our lives of necessity must be different from the world. Let that sink in. If you and I are going to make a difference, a genuine difference in the world, 
then our lives must be different from the world. I'm not talking about being a bunch of loonies. I'm not talking about going off the deep end here. What I'm talking about is saying, what is it that I want my life to be dictated by? What are the standards by which I want to live? Who do I want to set the standards for my life? Do I want the the world out there to set the standards? Do I want to let the, the businesses set the standards, the commercials set the standards? Do I want my culture to set the standards? Do I want the ACLU to set my standards? Do I want Republicans to set my standards? Do I want Democrats to set my standards? Who do I want to set the standards for my life? If we're to live a life that matters, that makes a difference so that we can make the most of every opportunity, I'm telling you, we must allow God to set the standard for our lives and His standard is purity. Be holy, He says. Be set apart as I am holy. You see, we go out and we call people who are in the world to come and to be like us. And all the while, we are running headlong a hundred miles an hour after the same material things that they pursue. After the same empty things that they pursue. And somehow we expect our lives to make a difference in the world. If we're going to make a difference, if we're, going to, if we're going to make the most of every opportunity, we've got to live a life of love, live a life of sacrifice, live a life of purity. All these come from Ephesians 5. And then finally, live a life led by the Holy Spirit. Verses 18 to 20, that same Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's simply a reckless, godless lifestyle. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, we're giving a dramatic picture. Some of you have been drunk. Most of you, if you haven't been drunk, have been around someone who was drunk. You can understand why it's called being under the influence of alcohol. People who normally act in a fairly sane matter, manner, when they are drunk, when they are intoxicated, when they have been filled with wine or beer or liquor or whatever it is, don't act in the same way. Their lives seem to be controlled or influenced by something else. In this case... Paul's case, it's wine. We've got a much greater selection to choose from these days. What we're hearing here is not to allow ourselves to be influenced, under the influence, controlled by any external factor. Rather, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. The Spirit, God's Spirit indwelling us so that He is the one who influences us. And so we, we can get, uh, you and I, you know, the, the, they used to, now they call it DWI, it used to be DUI, driving under the influence. Well, I pray to God that all of you drive under the influence, but not with wine, but under the influence of the how would How would your driving experience be different if you drove under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, you can think about that one a little bit later this afternoon or the next time 
you drive to Athens or Atlanta. Our lives are to be controlled, led by the Holy Spirit. And Paul gives us three ways that our lives live with joy and purpose are to be directed. This is pretty neat. Look at this. Living in three directions. First of all, outward to others. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Our lives are to be outwardly direct. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, influenced by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, then our lives will pour out into the lives of everyone around us. And we're to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, that does not mean Sunday morning you get here, you go up to somebody and go, Hi, Ralph, how was your day? That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, as we communicate with one another, it is to be the very words of God, communicated. There's a beautiful picture in the book of Joshua. As part of the people of Israel set up on one side of a hill overlooking a valley, part of the people are set up on the other side of the hill overlooking a valley. And 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 they're repeating God's words back and forth. If you've ever been in a huge stadium, this happens sometimes during football games. A cheer will be on one side and then a cheer will be on the other side. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we, we divide up and we, I've, I've got spirit. I, yes, I do. I've got spirit. How about you? That, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking is as we communicate with you, are we speaking the words of God? Are we communicating out of that joy, out of that purpose, out of the influence of the Holy Spirit as we communicate with one another? The second way, the second direction is inward, in our own devotion, inward. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Sometimes you can get so caught up that the highest expression of praise that you can come up with is song. You ever get caught up like that? Maybe in the middle of your quiet time or maybe you're out driving, maybe you're you're praying somewhere else and you begin to just sing. Maybe it's a hum, maybe it doesn't sound too good. Maybe it's not even audible. Maybe it's just that song in your heart. Psalm 28.7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. Listen, my heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to Him in song. Sometimes the highest expression of our praise and devotion is in song. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And so we are directed outward towards others. We're directed inward as we sing and make music in our hearts to the God. But notice, we're also called upward in gratitude and in worship. Upward. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Upward. This is what a life under the influence of the Holy Spirit looks like. Just about every movie where you see people who get drunk, they burst into song, don't they? It's kind of weird. Why do drunk people want to sing? I don't know, but maybe that's the picture that Paul had in mind as he penned these words under the influence of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5 when he calls us not to be drunk with wine 
but to be filled with the Spirit, so caught up in following Christ, being filled with the Spirit, that we burst into song at the drop of a hat because our lives have purpose and joy and we're filled with the presence of God. Let's kind of review what we've talked about. If we're going to make the most of every opportunity, then we need to live a life of love. If we're going to make the most of every opportunity, we need to live a life of sacrifice. Love and sacrifice go together. If we're going to live a life that matters, making the most of every opportunity, then we need to live a life of purity. Our lives need to be different from the world. And if we're going to live a life that matters, making the most of every opportunity, then we're going to have to live our lives led by the Holy Spirit. Don't waste this day. Life is too short to waste your life. Life is too short to waste this very day. And so I ask you, what are you going to do today that matters? I know there's a Falcons play football today. More importantly, the Redskins play football today. It's NASCAR race today. You've got, you've got some other plans today. Maybe that plan includes a nap. I don't know. But I just want to ask you, what are you going to do today that matters? Matters for the kingdom. Matters for the least of these. How are you going to make your life count today? Because i got to tell you, it's like a diet. It always starts tomorrow. God, okay, I'll make tomorrow count. And God is saying, don't waste this day. Don't waste this moment. As of now, the time is ticking. The seconds are going off off your watch, off your clock, out of your life, never to be recaptured, never to be relived. How will I make the most of this day? I want to close by reading a few sentences out of John Piper's book entitled, Don't Waste Your Life. He begins on page 45 to talk about what was considered to be a tragedy. Two women, Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards, who on a medical mission in Cameroon, in the advanced years of their lives, went off, their car went off a cliff, and they were killed. And it was said of that how tragic it was. Let me pick up reading here. He says, that is not a tragedy. That is glory. These lives were not wasted. These lives were not lost. He quotes Mark eight thirty five: Whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. And then he goes on. I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider the story from the February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. He writes his first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof, of the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, 
your one and only precious God-given life and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your Creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ, he says, at the great judgment day. Look, Lord, see my shells? That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over and against this, I put my protest, don't buy it. Don't waste your life.